from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Hola, and welcome to La Biblioteca, the podcast series from the Hispanic Division at the Library of Congress. I'm Catalina Gomez, a reference librarian, and I'm here with... Talia Guzman-Gonzalez, also a reference librarian in the Hispanic Division. Hi, Catalina. Hi, Talia. We're finally launching our podcast today. We're so Yay! excited. It's wonderful to share with our listeners some of the treasures and talk about the resources here at the Library of Congress. Our collection holds over 10 million items related to Spain, Portugal, Latin America, and the Hispanic community in the U.S. In fact, our Luso Hispanic collection is the largest collection in the world. Before we begin, we thought it was important to specify the term Luso, since probably some of our listeners are not as familiar with that term as they are with Hispanic, right? Um, so Luso-Hispanic were the Latin names for both um, entities, the region of the Iberian Peninsula. That is, Portugal was Lusitania and Spain was His Hispania, Hispania. So historically, Luso has been used as a shorthand to refer to Portuguese language and culture um, of those countries that were once colonized by Portugal, like Brazil, for example. So that means that when we talk about Luso-Hispanic collections, we're talking about materials related to Portugal, Spain, but also the countries that they once colonized, like Brazil, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, etc. And the list goes on. Our collection covers all of the 31 countries in Latin America, the Iberian Peninsula, and also Latinos in the United States, and most, if not all, the languages and dialects spoken in our region. So let me tell our listeners a little bit about our first season. It will consist of eight episodes where we will be talking with scholars, writers, curators, and translators about the legacy of some of the poets and writers that are part of our archive of Hispanic literature on tape. This is an archive curated here in the Library of Congress that includes audio recordings of prominent 20th and 21st century Luso-Hispanic writers and poets reading from their works. In fact, most of these recordings have been done here in this studio where we're sitting right now, which is extremely exciting. Yes, it is. So this is one of the library's most unique literary treasures. It's truly a gem of a collection. And we're just so happy to be able to share the recordings more widely now that we're digitizing and uh, uploading the material online. Yes, the collection has over 750 recordings. So that's an amazing number. Today, during our first episode, we will be talking about the history of the collection since it began in 1943, as well as some of our recent efforts to digitize it and make these items available online. We will also get to hear from Georgia Dorn, who's the chief of the Hispanic Division and the curator of this collection. She has been working with the collection for more than 40 years. Dr. Dorn has lived through some of the most fascinating years of this project, and she got to interview and record figures like Jorge Luis Borges, Julio Cortázar, Gabriel García Márquez, just to name a few. And you, Catalina, have been spearheading this important digitization project for the past three years. Why don't you tell us a little bit, first about the history of the archive, a little bit of context, and then a little bit about the digitization work. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, so the archive is, is, I mean, I love this archive. I've, I've been working with it, um, and it's such a precious collection. It began, as, as we already said, in, in the early 1940s. And it, it really began because at, at that time, the Library of Congress began um, to record 
and you know to do audio recordings of literary readings really um, this was the time of um, magnetic tape mm-hmm. uh, technology uh, and um, this was a time when a lot of the readings I mean the library has a very strong tradition of, of literary readings of you know with very prominent writers uh, began capturing um, a lot of the readings and also bringing poets and writers to the studio uh, in the beginning mostly American uh, figures um, so in 1943, Francisco Aguilera, who worked in the Hispanic division, uh, was asked to participate in a session um, translating a poem by um, the poet Archibald MacLeish, a very important American poet who actually at the time was the librarian of Congress, the head of the library. Mm-hmm. So Aguilera uh, came to the studio. He translated this poem. My theory is that this is the moment that Aguilera really envisioned the to be in a similar collection in the Hispanic division mm-hmm. and to co- con- uh, begin to capture voices literary of literary figures from Latin America and Spain. So he began in 1943 this collection. He began recording uh, and bringing to Washington, D.C. many um, poets and writers. He began mostly focusing on Latin America and Spain. Uh, some of the first figures he brought um, were... Uh, Spanish poets Juan Ramón Jiménez and Pedro Salinas, uh, also some poets from Chile like uh, Pablo de Roca and Winnetta Roca, who's uh, his wife. And um, and so, you know, this collection took off in the 60s, uh, oh, sorry, in the 50s, um, in the early 50s, Gabriela Mistral, who uh, is one of our Nobel laureates, a uh, poet from Chile, uh, recorded, and she um, also said something that was very inter- instrumental to the archive. She sort of advised Aguilera mm-hmm. to not just record people here in D.C., but mm-hmm. also to go to the region mm-hmm. and capture voices there, mm-hmm. which he did. So then, mm-hmm. Those were the missions. Right. He called them <laughs> like missions, and we have all the documents and the reports of the missions. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. He did three extensive trips in the late 50s and early 60s, so this archive really began to grow and become this really beautiful collection of uh, Latin American and Spanish and Portuguese literature. And um, yeah, and in the 70s, uh, that's when a lot of the writers from the Latin American boom, like Garcia Marquez, Julio Cortázar, Mario Vargas Llosa, uh, Carlos Fuentes, recorded for the archive. Uh, and then actually earlier in Eruda, recorded in, in 1966. Mm. Um, uh, so it really um, uh, became um, one of the most unique audio archives, uh, li- literary audio archives, um, and just a really um, beautiful treasure. So I, um, starting in 2013, uh, I began the effort of trying to, to digitize the collection and um, began collaborating with the library's um, recorded sound division because mm-hmm. a lot of the original master tapes of the archive are in the custody of this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I began coordinating with the recorded sound um, staff to, you know, to digitize these tapes, uh, which is also actually a preservation uh, mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you want to digitize analog and tape material because it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. So we began the, this project, and in 2015 we launched a site where we began to upload the recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really a thrill to, to to bring this archive to the world, really, and to have it be available to anyone with a with an internet co- internet connection, really, and also to have the people in Latin America and in Spain and in these countries for whom these writers are so meaningful be able to listen to them mm-hmm. uh, for free. So um, it really has been a great ride to work with this collection. 
Something I love about this archive is how it documents so many languages, Spanish, English, Portuguese, Catalan, Basque, French, Dutch, Creole, Nahuatl, Zapotec, Quechua, and Aymara, and also the distinctive regional dialects and speech patterns of these authors. We have many authors reading in Spanish, but then we have Spanish from Spain that is going to be very different from Spanish from Cuba, right? We have some Cuban poets recorded, or from Puerto Rico, or from Argentina. So documenting those differences is also very, very important. And just so you have a taste of the variety of languages that we have in the archive, let's listen to Guadalupean author Maris Condé reading in French from her novel, Windward Heights. Donc, premier extrait. Notre vie est marquée bien avant notre naissance. Selon le berceau qui nous accueille, nous recevons en cadeau ou bien l'argent, ou bien la misère, ou bien le bonheur, ou bien la célérité de l'existence. Moi, je suis né dans une pauvre famille de Mont-Cailloux, à quelques kilomètres de Lance-Bertrand, dans la partie la plus désolée de la Guadeloupe. Fantastic. That was Maris Condé, her book, Windward Heights, published in 1998. This is a novel that reimagines Emily Bronte's novel, Wuthering Heights, set in Caribbean society. Next, we'll listen to an excerpt from a recording with Mexican friar and scholar Angel Maria Garibay. In this recording, Garibay reads his own translations of Nahuatl poetry in Spanish, but what we're going to show right now is him reading the original Nahuatl version of one of the Aztec poems. These voices and many more are part of our collection thanks to the efforts of curators such as Georgette Dorn, the chief of the Hispanic division of the library. Let's talk with Georgette and see if she will share with us some of her anecdotes about the archive. Georgette Dorn is the chief of the Hispanic division of the Library of Congress. She has a PhD in history from Georgetown University, and her special fields include the political and cultural history of the Southern Cone and the literature of Iberian, Latin America, and the Caribbean. She has recorded close to 500 writers for the Archive of Hispanic Literature on tape, which today contains more than 750 re readings. She's also the curator of the archive since 1970. She has published numerous essays and articles on Latin American history and culture and papers on the library's Luso-Hispanic collections. She is a member of the adjunct faculty of the Georgetown University Center of Latin American Studies, and she chaired the Premio del Rey Prize Committee of the American Historical Association, and in 2006 received the Distinguished Service Award from the Conference on Latin American History. Hi, Georgette, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, we're very excited that you're talking with us again about the archive because you've been such an integral part of the history of the archive for decades and you've met 
everyone. I think every time we talk about an author, she's like, oh, I remember when he came to the library. And and I'm, and every time I'm jealous yes. <laughs> that, that you met all Incredible. these, all these fascinating people. So would you tell our audience, how did you start working for the archive? Of I really started working for Howard Klein, who was chief of the Hispanic division. Um, and although I was a reference librarian, I mostly did translations for him from German into English on the um, Maya Codex and different scholarly articles. And I also worked on New Mexico land grants for him, mm -hmm. as I did reference. And then Aguile Francisco Aguilera was the head of the archive, and um, he asked me to be at some of the recordings. So I think I was there when Omero Aritjes recorded, Mexican, and Pablo Neruda, mm -hmm. which was very exciting. Wow. <laughs> and um, then we had lunch with Neruda after the recording in the deputy librarian's office. So. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the Civil War, and uh, he had been in the Civil War with Stephen Spender. And Stephen Spender was another friend who was here. Uh, he's a poet, a recorder poet by the library's uh, English language poets. Mm. So they were reminiscing about the uh, Octavio Paz and the Spanish Civil War. And then Neruda talked a lot about food and how he loved <laughs> food and cooking. So, wow. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was interesting. Aguilar had a leave of absence in 1669. At the University of Wisconsin teaching, and then I kind of did the archive. And once he retired at the end of '69, I fell into it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's uh, it was very exciting. It is a very exciting project. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you worked with this collection for like close to like 30 years, right? What? So close to 30 years, or a little bit more than 30 years? Like 40. Like 40 years, <laughs> yes. And so, what has been your experience, like progressively, with 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 building an archive like this and continuing such a such a you know historic archive of literature. Well, you know it's interesting because Aguilera always said that I, I was the ideal person because I was not a trained literature person. I was a historian, a trained historian, and so he also talked a lot about the schools at the time they began doing these, uh, you know, analyzing the author and and so he kind of looked at poetry as a historian himself. I went to a a. Um, in 1975, there was a, a, a conference just for Cortaza at the University of Oklahoma. Mm. That was my first real interview with the writer. And it just kind of felt natural. I never planned to do an interview. Mm -hmm. And that, so it was really great fun. I like that interview a lot. If our audience has, had, if you have an opportunity to listen to that uh, recording of Cortázar, there's, there's uh, at the beginning, there's an interview with Georgette and Julio Cortázar um, about different topics. You ask him about what movies he likes, about yeah. his short stories, and it's a very um, it's a very nice and natural conversation uh, with this uh, author who's, you know, very honest <laughs> also. Right. This is the interview where he says, I'll, I'll tell students never to ask for, you know, advice, advice <laughs> yes. about, you know, how to write. It's so, one of my favorite recordings, too. Yeah. It's wonderful. And you, yeah, you did a beautiful job with that, with yeah, that yeah, interview. It, uh, that the short stories he recorded were very good. Oh, yes. Very playful, and that's very much like him, yeah. Right, and Excellent. Cortázar is so influential, you know, in mm -hmm. the world yeah. of literature in Latin America, yeah. so. Which have been some of the favorite moments um, and, and sort of anecdotes? Well, I thought it was very exciting to record Cortázar and Vargas Llosa two years later, also at Oklahoma. Mm. And he's another great favorite of mine. I mean, I have no favorites because it's like asking which one of my children I like best. <laughs> I like them all. Yeah. So of all of my, maybe, I don't know, 400 plus authors, maybe almost 500, I like all of them. Mm -hmm. But I like Nicanor Parra a lot. Mm, he again yes. was very plain spoken, very 
regular, nice, and mm -hmm. uh, he was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I never thought of then, that was my first real recording, I think, in 1970, of doing an interview. Mm -hmm. But I talked to him afterwards. Mm -hmm. So he just reads straight poems, and mm -hmm. uh, he's very good. And of course, there is Borges, who yes, uh, recorded Borges. repeatedly for this collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he recorded before my time in 1958, when Aguilera traveled, because he, he did three travels. Um, Thanks to the, the Rockefeller Foundation, mm -hmm. and uh, they were to Latin America, and Central America, Mexico, Latin America, Spain, and Portugal. Mm -hmm. And that's when they began really doing Portuguese in, in earnest and Catalanes. Mm -hmm. So he recorded Borges in Buenos Aires, I think, in 1958. Mm -hmm. And then Borges visited the library many times, and I, I recorded him in 76, mm -hmm. which was a very interesting recording because he talked about his influences, mm -hmm. the English authors, and he told me how he had. Uh, how he had read English as a child. I mean, he spoke English because his grandmother uh, was an English person. Mm -hmm. So he spoke English and Spanish at home. Mm -hmm. He read Quixote in English mm -hmm. in translation. He read Huckleberry Finn. He read, uh, you know, Conrad. Mm -hmm. And he was nine, a great reader. At <laughs> nine, he wrote. He wrote. He wrote his first poem. Mm -hmm. And at fourteen, he was translating um, English and um, American writers huh. into mm -hmm. into Spanish. Mm -hmm. So then, of course, he. Um, you know, talked about his ancestors. You know, he writes about these heroic figures in his poetry, because one great grandfather was uh, fought in uh, mm. in Peru in the independence movement. Another one fought in the in the wars in the 19th century, and he was also vaguely related to Rosas, who was the mm. dictator of uh, Argentina oh. in the mm. 1980s, in the 1800s. Mm. And um, but so he had this thing about ancestry, heroes, mm -hmm. knife fights. Mm -hmm. You know, the. Uh, that was mainly because he had spent a lot of time in Europe. With his, his father was going blind. Mm. So he spent the World War one years in Europe, in, uh, in Switzerland, where he learned, he learned German, and he learned how to translate mm. German into Spanish. And he also began uh, studying Germanic, lit I mean, uh, Northern literatures, yes. mm -hmm. Icelandic and all of mm -hmm. those, the Norse literatures. Mm -hmm. So when he came back to Buenos Aires, he rediscovered the city, the, the living city. So he wrote the most wonderful poems about... Um, you know, the barrios de Buenos Aires and, and, and all of that, mm -hmm. so. And I still think that he, as, as a great prose writer as he is, he probably is the greatest poet of the Spanish language oh. in the oh. second half. I mean, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a, not a great. That's your personal yeah. taste. I love his poems, too. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very special. Borges was also a librarian, and you were a librarian at the time. Did you commiserate about that? Well, he was Did a librarian like I am. Like, yes, you know, of course. He, by, by, uh, <laughs> by default or doing by... the profession, you know. <laughs> by aprendizaje. Of course. He was an apprentice. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. He, he came uh, to he the library. He the municipal library in the mm -hmm. uh, 30s, 38, in 30s or 40s, you know. And he said that he used to, like work in the morning and do cataloging and mm -hmm. go to the basement to read books. Mm -hmm. And so he read Gibbons, he read, also, he adored the English authors, mm -hmm. Chesterton, you know, and he would talk a lot about that. He would ask if I, and I, as it happens, I'm also an Anglophile, having grown up in Argentina. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about English literature and mm -hmm. Evelyn Waugh and, and C.S. Lewis. After one, he had an illness in, um, I think at the library, he fell for some steps mm -hmm. and he, he hurt his head. Mm -hmm. and. So then he said he was sick for a long time, for like several mm. months. And then his mother read him C.S. Lewis, mm. Out of the Silent Planet. And I, it so happened that I had also read, read that. Mm. Wow. And it's, I love C.S. Lewis. I think mm -hmm. he's a very yeah. interesting, whimsical kind of yes. author. Mm -hmm. And out of that, I think, grew his, his later works about other planets. And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, 
But how was that? How was that day with Borges? By the time I, I really got to know him well, he was completely blind. So you kind of went with him and and you told him where to go because he never he never had a did he did have a cane, but he was very alert to things. Mm-hmm. So you would tell him where to go and he would ask me, let's go into the stacks because I mm-hmm. want to smell the books. Oh, sweet. And you know, like most blind people, all the other senses were very keen, mm-hmm. right. the smell and touch and so forth. Mm-hmm. So he just loved the library because he said this was the library of Babe, Babel, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Babe, the library of Babel. Georgette, were there any recordings that were very surprising, like that? Whatever the author read was completely unexpected, mm-hmm. or something unpublished, mm-hmm. or whatever he like said that. at the moment, and you were not expecting. But Juan Goy de Solo came to give a lecture at the Whittle Pavilion, and I think he was invited by the Spanish Embassy. And at the Whittle, he said, "I won't talk my prepared speech. I'm going to talk about Franco's death, because Franco had just died." So then he, that afternoon, when I recorded him, he also mentioned, you know, this momentous time when Franco has died. You know. And he's, he's another one of my great favorite authors, a very inventive, interesting mm. author. So he read some sort of um, um, like an epitaph for yes. Franco, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That he had just written. Your dad has, um, she's doing, and she has done an amazing job. Well, thank with, you. With this <laughs> it's very nice talking yes. to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Georgette. Thank you, Georgette. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. To listen to some of the recordings from the Archive of Hispanic Literature on tape, go to www.loc.gov. You can find the project by clicking on our Digital Collections link on the homepage and selecting the Audio Recordings Collections category. You can also find it by going to the library's Hispanic Division's website, which is www.loc.gov rr Hispanic. Hasta pronto! This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.